Thank you, Heather. Wow, so much happening. Um, it's good to see you all in the, uh, in the building and you guys online as well. It's great to be with you together. Uh, I just want to mention uh, what Heather said about getting kids back in. I just want to say uh, thank you to the team who have been working so diligently on putting a plan together. We're going to be announcing the details very shortly. I know everyone's keen for families to get back in, and so details will be coming soon. But <clears throat> as Heather said, that picnic is coming up soon, so you can find out more information about that on our website if you go to vineyardchurch.co.uk forward slash what's on. So uh, do find out about that. Uh, well, here we are. We continue in our Stand Strong series, and uh, <clears throat> thank you for all your emails and messages over the week and your well wishes. I'm still a bit chesty. I don't know if you can hear it, so uh, uh, it's, it's been lingering, this thing, but um, um, feeling much better than I was last week. But uh, just so excited to see what the Lord is doing in us and through us as a people. And it's just so wonderful hearing the testimonies, the stories that keep coming in each week of how God is moving so powerfully uh, in the lives of our church family. And as Richard said, we want to hear from you. You can email stories at thevineyardchurch.co.uk and we'll just love to you know, bring glory to God in sharing those and to encourage one another. So let's do that. <clears throat> well, before we uh, continue, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get into God's Word this morning. Lord, we want to thank you that your Word brings life. Thank you, Lord, that it is your truth that sets us free. That your Word, Lord, is powerful as a two-edged sword. And Lord, I pray this morning that um, you will open our ears and open our eyes to hear and to see that which you have for us this morning. Lord, I just pray that the distractions of the day would just fall away. And Holy Spirit, would you come now? We welcome you in this place to speak to us wherever we are, whether we're in the building here at church or at home online. Lord, we're just so hungry for you, just desperate for you, Lord. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. As deep cries unto deep, as the sound of your waterfalls. Lord, would that be the prayer of each one of us? Lord, we don't want to just do Christianity for Christianity's sake, Lord. We're here to seek your face because we want to experience your presence. We're here to hear your word because we want to be transformed into the likeness of your son. Lord, this is not a performance thing, Christianity. It's a relational thing. God, I just, I just pray, Lord, that you would just do something new in us. Lord, would we get tired of the same old, same old? Lord, would we be hungry for something new? Lord, open our eyes to what you have for us because the reality is, is that you are bigger than we ever know. You are more good than we can ever hope for. You are more loving than we've yet to experience. It's not that you show us love. The, the truth is, Lord, you are love. Lord, I pray that you would be more real to us than that which we see with our eyes. Lord, the psalmist says that 
we can taste and see that you are good. I pray that that would be the testimony of each one of us. Would we not get so full up on the world that we have no desire and space to be in your presence, Lord? It is a battle, Lord. That is why we are in this Stand Strong series. Because as Christians, Lord, you are in this season saying, wake up. See the schemes of the enemy. Those schemes that are going to cause you to walk, to walk not closely to me, but be distracted away from me. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and empower your people. Empower us, Lord Jesus, as we seek your face. Lord, your word says that you will respond to those that seek your face. Lord, we are that generation, Lord. We cry out to you for something new. We cry out to you for a, a tangible experience, a manifest experience of your presence, Lord. Would we not be the generation that just reads about revival? Would we be the generation that walks in it, Lord? Lord, we are hungry for a, a display of your power, Lord, not just because we want to go, wow, but because we want to worship you and say, that is God, that we are hungry to experience you, Lord. Would that be the testimony? Would that be the desire? Would that be the prayer for each one of us, Lord? Wake us up from our slumber. Lord, this prayer that I'm praying is, not, is a prayer for me, ultimately, Lord. It is a stirring that I feel from your spirit, Lord, that in this season, Lord, you are causing us and calling us to wake up and not slumber, but to be sober-minded and alert for the hour is close. The day is at hand. Today is the day of salvation. And I pray that <clears throat> as we look at the helmet of salvation today, Lord, that you would just, there would be salvation, Lord, that would just flow Lord, your word says that your word would accomplish that which it set forth to do, just as the water comes, the rain comes, and waters the ground, so your word does the same. And I pray, Lord, for salvation. I pray for whoever is watching me at home, either now or during the week on catch-up, Lord, that there would be testimonies of those who are saved. And I pray, Lord, for a fresh revelation of us who are saved, that you are doing a new thing in us, Lord. That it's not a one-off event, but Lord, salvation is a process of sanctification to be transformed into the likeness of you, Jesus. Lord, you have so much more to show us. Lord, forgive us for putting you in a box. Forgive us, Lord, for minimizing what you do based on our own criteria. Blow our boxes away. Blow our criteria away. Come in and blow the cobwebs away. Come in and make yourself known in a new way. Lord, the same old, same old isn't enough, Lord. Lord, we are hungry and desperate for you because you are the only answer in this world, Lord. You are our only hope. You are our only safety. You are our only comfort. You are our only God. And Lord, would you manifest yourself, Lord Jesus, I pray. Do a new thing. Stir us. Go deep. Lord, would we be brave enough to allow you to see into our hearts? Lord, as the psalmist said, if there be any iniquity in me, would you show me, O Lord? Would that bold and courageous prayer be the prayer of all of your, all of your church here, Lord? Why? Because there is freedom and healing that comes when we allow your spirit to minister to us. Lord, would we not be a people of mask wearers, but we would be a a people of Jesus bearers, Lord, in word and in deed. Oh, Lord, we're hungry. Do something new, Lord God.
We ask this in the name of our Lord and Saviour. Amen. All right. Now let's get to the sermon. <clears throat> Um, Jenna, would you mind passing me my glass of water over there, please? That would be great. Thank you. It's just by my chair. Okay, good. Right, let's dive into this. We are looking at the penultimate piece of the armour. It is the helmet. Thank you so much. Helmet of salvation. And uh, why don't we turn together to Ephesians 6 and look at the first part of verse 17, which is... uh, where we read this, and it will be on the screen for you if uh, you're in the building or at home. Um, <clears throat> and just way of a recap, you know, over the past few weeks, if you've, if you've joined us for the first time, by the way, welcome. It's great to have you here with us. Um, but we've been looking at the armour of God, and each week unpacking what it looks like. And if you've missed any of the talks, can I encourage you to catch up? You can do so at thevineyardchurch.co.uk forward slash talks, or as Heather said, our mobile phone app or our smartphone device app is a great destination to go to with all of our content there. But let us continue then looking at the armor of God. We're going to look at uh, 6, verse 17. It's a short one, and take the helmet of salvation. There you go. Take the helmet of salvation. Now, as we've been looking at each week, we've been answering the question, what does each piece of armor protect us from? Because it's in answering that question that we can understand what we need protecting from and how God will protect us. So why a helmet? Well, no surprises. Your brain, your mind is in your head, correct? You know, we looked at the, uh, the, 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 the breastplate of righteousness that protected our heart. Um, and we therefore here at the helmet of salvation which protects our mind, our thinking, Now, when we looked at uh, the breastplate of righteousness, we looked at the fact that life springs up from our heart. It was Proverbs 4, uh, 23, that all of life springs from the heart. But here is the thing you see. The heart is moved and informed by our mind, right? We get that. There is a connection. They're not in isolation. What you process and think through informs how the heart feels and therefore how you act right? And so what happens is we need to be aware, as the Apostle Paul said, to be aware of the enemy's schemes is that he will attack us in our mind with the wrong thinking in order to impact our heart. You know, there's a great proverb. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, as a man thinketh, so is he. Kind of sums it up, really. As a man thinketh, so is he. You see, the battlefield is in the mind, And therefore, God provides us a way in which we can protect our thinking and our mind. And that's how we arrive then at the helmet of salvation. Now, the question, therefore, needs to be, how does salvation then protect our mind? It's a good question, isn't it? How does salvation protect our mind? Well, let's let's ask the question, what is salvation? Well, salvation means to be saved or delivered from something. And if you look in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's so many examples of that. You know, the Israelites were saved out of the grip of Pharaoh. Noah, prior to that, was saved in the ark. Joseph saved his family, a type and foreshadow of Christ. But you see, in the New Testament, as we talk about salvation, we do so in the context of being delivered from the eternal 
death penalty of sin and delivered into the kingdom of God. That is what salvation means. It means to be saved from the death penalty of sin and saved into, but saved into the kingdom of God and in his eternal presence. And so let us look together at Romans uh, chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. You can turn with me together. Because this is a really lovely, and by the way, the book of Romans, what a great book. You know, just, oh, it's so rich. Um, but Romans 5, 8, 10 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we, while we were still sinners, we're born into sin. We're not sinners because we sin, we sin because we were sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him will not perish but have eternal life. Since therefore, listen, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. What does justified mean? It's a legal term. It means that we are now just in the sight of God. We're made righteous. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. You see, that's what we're saved from, the wrath of God. A lot of people think, incorrectly, that Jesus died on the cross to pay something for the devil. That's absolutely incorrect. The devil didn't demand that, demand that Jesus had to go on the cross. What happened is Jesus died on the cross to bear our sin in order that he could take the wrath of God, the wrath of God, on our behalf. That's what happened on the cross. That is what it means to be saved from, because you can say to someone, hey, you should be saved. And they're like, from what? From a boring life? Well, I don't know. I've got a great life, thank you very much. Well, you can be saved from what? From, from I don't know, from lack of comfort. Well, I'm pretty comfortable, thank you very much. Oh, okay. Well, you can be saved from what? Well, you can be saved from not having any purpose in life. No, I feel like I've got a purpose. You see, we, those are all blessings that come, but we are saved from the wrath of God, the wrath of God. I mean, that's why we're saved. We're saved because the penalty of sin is due us, but we don't have to stay in that place because Jesus took our place. That's what salvation is. I think it goes on. You could read it as well for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. You see, that is it. Not only did Jesus take on that wrath of God, but he made a way for us to be reconciled with God, to restore communion with God as it was before the fall. Wow, that is, you know, I join the Apostle Paul and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is what? It is the good news of Jesus that Jesus has made a way where we cannot. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot work your way to relationship with God. Your righteous, quote, acts are but as filthy rags. It's not a question of works. It's a question of family. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, we are adopted into the family and we become a child of God. Salvation is not based on works. It is based on the love of God, by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. That is salvation. And I've been talking about this every week. 
That is salvation. That is the gospel message. And so we need a savior to be saved, and that is Jesus. And it is a gift, as I said. It's a gift from God, by grace of God, through faith in God of the work of Jesus on the cross. So are we all on the same page? Now, here's the thing. Thank you for the thumbs up, Sue. Now, here's the thing. In many ways, that's Salvation 101. And if we just stop there when we ask the question, what is salvation, we will not understand how to put the helmet on. Oh, where are you going with this, Mark? I'm glad you asked. You see, if we think that salvation is just a one-off event of justification, then we, we think, well, I've got my helmet on all the time. But, so why does Paul write to the church in Ephesus, who are Christians, and say, put on your helmet, when they've already been saved? Fair question, right? Now, we've got a, a well um, in our garden, um, and it's very, very deep in the well, and there's water at the bottom. And um, here's the thing about wells, you need to dig deep. And I want us to go really deep into salvation, because as we dig down deep, we're going to find the water, the eternal spring of life. And in so doing, it's going to help us understand how we put this helmet on and how the helmet helps us protect us from the lies of the enemy. Are you with me? Put your seatbelts on. Strap in. It's going to be quite the ride. Okay, here we go. Here's the comment I want to make. Salvation is also a process. You see, salvation isn't just a future hope. And we looked at that last week, didn't we? The Christian's hope. Salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. It is also a present reality. You see, salvation is a present reality that we walk in, i.e., the technical term is sanctification. Salvation is a process. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. What I'm going to do is give us a couple of scriptures Okay, just to frame this, and then we're gonna we're gonna dart, we're gonna we're gonna dart somewhere else. So uh, make sure you're keeping note. Here we go. Two Corinthians three eighteen says this, and we all, with unfailed face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What is that word? Transformed. We are being transformed. We are saved, we are made just, but we are also cleansed and we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Did you know that? What about Titus? Titus was a, uh, a church leader. Paul wrote to him. In fact, Titus became the bishop of Crete, if you're interested. Titus 3 verse 5 says this, he, God, saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, which is what I said, salvation is not by works, it's by grace, through faith in Christ, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, that's that justification, we have a new creation in Christ Jesus, and, listen to this, renewal by and of the Holy Spirit. So you see, in these two scriptures, what we're seeing here is this word transformed and renewal, that there is a transformational process that happens for those that are in Christ Jesus, and there is a renewal that occurs by the same Lord. Are we getting that? And this is why it's critical. We need to understand that in how we put on the helmet. 
So, having established, therefore, that there is a work of the Spirit to transform us into the likeness of Jesus, that by the work of the Spirit, there is a washing and a renewal of us, we can now go to the place where I want to camp for the next while. Romans 12, verse 12, a very famous scripture. And this is where we're going to unpack it together, having established that there is a process of sanctification, of salvation in us. Let's turn together. Right. Did you know this is the only verse in the whole Bible where that word renewal is mentioned again? That Greek word for renewal, which is uh, a transformational process, is only mentioned twice. One in Titus and one in Romans 12. And it's the only place where that word renewal and transformation are put together. Okay? Let's look at it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now we're getting to the mind bit, you see? That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not conform You see, being conformed and transformed are very different things. You see, being conformed means that our external environment dictates our internals, (laughs) that our external environment dictates our behavior. You see, the Greek word for conform actually has more of a depth to it. It means to fashion ourselves on something other than ourselves, to fashion ourselves on a pattern that is outside of ourselves. That's why the NIV and some other translations render it, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And so in other words, being conformed is an outside-in job if you like. But the Apostle Paul is saying, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And isn't that the pressure, if we're honest, that we feel? Do we not feel the pressure to conform to the pattern of this world? Do we not feel the pressure to conform to the way the world responds? And by the way, can I just preface this? When we talk about world, and I say this Every time I talk about the word world, it doesn't mean that wonderful earth that God has blessed us with and we're called to be stewards of. It is the world system, the, the, the sin and the evil that we see abound. And so when it's saying do not be conformed to this world, it's saying do not be conformed to the way this world thinks about things, to the way it responds in fear, to the way it responds in unforgiveness, in bitterness, all of those things. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, do not be conformed to that. Don't allow the external pressure to dictate how you behave. And that's why the mind is so important. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But he goes on to be transformed. And you see, that is an altogether different thing. Transformation is an inside-out job. Transformation is a work inside of us that bears fruit in us that enables to walk in a different way. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is rather than your behavior being dictated by external pressure, we need to live a life 
where we are transformed by the washing of his blood, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we are being transformed into the likeness of his son, that we may bear fruit and live that way of life. And that, by the way, is the whole context of the Stand Strong series, isn't it? Because prior to Ephesians 6, the whole of Ephesians is around walking in the covenant relationship we have with Jesus and that Christian living. You see, this, do not be conformed along to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, is a holiness scripture. In other words, wake up, guess what? You've been set apart. You are holy. Walk in that. It's, it's a message of saying, come out of the world. Recognize you're not of the world. You're walking through the world. Recognize that you're an ambassador of Christ. Recognize that we are passing through. That's the gospel message, that we have been saved for a purpose. Are you following me? Great, good. Hope you follow me at home as well. Um, okay. And so being transformed is a work of the mind and the heart. Let me put it this way. You know, we have the privilege of speaking at Alpha when we run it, and the Alpha team do an amazing job. Alpha will be coming up later in the year. And um, I have the privilege of normally speaking on the last week around, okay, what, what does it mean for going forward? How do I live the rest of my life? And we look at this very verse, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we look at the example of the difference between a chameleon and a chrysalis. You see, a chameleon, as we know, changes its color based on the environment that it is in, right? What's that? It's being conformed. But a chrysalis, it's an inside-out job, isn't it? It's in that pooper, pooper, booper, pooper, one of those words. And uh, it's, there's an internal transformation. And what happens? Out comes this beautiful butterfly. That is the picture of sanctification. We should not be chameleon Christians. You will never enjoy that, by the way. You'll always feel the pressure. You won't experience freedom that you think you have because you'll always be in bondage to that which is outside of you. A chameleon has no choice but to camouflage into its environment. It allows itself to do so. And so you see, what Paul is saying here is don't be a chameleon Christian. Don't be like somebody on a Sunday and then be different on a Monday. Because the process of sanctification is actually about transformation, which then gets us onto the mind. Because Paul said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is why we need the helmet of salvation. I want to say this, in, in, in as much love as I can, putting on the helmet is much more than knowing that you are saved. It is about recognizing that we are participating in the process of salvation or sanctification. Philippians 2, 12 to 15, Paul says this, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What? That's a bit strange. Work out your salvation? I thought I was saved. Note that he doesn't say work for your salvation. Uh -uh. You cannot work for your salvation, but you can work out your salvation. In other words, we have our part to play in sanctification. 
It, it, you see, growing more like Jesus isn't just zap me, Lord, and make me more like you. I want to be holy. If you read through the scriptures, we have a choice to make daily in the decisions we make to walk in holiness. And as we make that decision, the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in that. You see that? But if we just sit down, the Holy Spirit's not just going to pick you up and just walk you in that. And I want to say this. We need to own our discipleship. We need to own our walk. We need to work out. We need to work through it and, and walk in it. This is a message like, of, 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 of Christian maturity. If you want to walk in all that God has for you, we need to take some ownership here. Yes, salvation is free. It's a gift. You cannot earn it. But we are called to walk in it, right? We have our part to play. That means daily decisions count. And so what I want to do as I attempt to bring this plane to land is end on some practical tips on how you can put your helmet of salvation on every day. Who wants to hear some tips? Good. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Now, this is doing so in the context of walking through and walking out that process of sanctification. In other words, you're going to be presented with the choice that you make if you want to walk in this, okay? So don't blame me if you don't like it. It's just coming from the Bible, right? We all, okay, good. Number one, don't allow lies to take hold. 1 Corinthians 10.5. Here's a, here's a key verse for you. I can hear paper rustling and pens. This is great. I love it. Hold every thought captive, which is contrary to God's word. There you go. Now, in order to do this, it means you need to know what God's word is, right? It means that we have to be active and not passive in our thought life. It means that when we hear a lie from the enemy, when we experience something that would give us a false narrative of, well, you shouldn't forgive that person. They're terrible to you. Or, you know what, that's terrible. Man, I'm going to be really fearful about that. Or whatever it might be. Or God doesn't mind if you do this, that, and so. Yeah, probably right. You see, the moment you say, yeah, or it doesn't matter, that word starts bearing fruit in your life. It takes hold. And you see, what we need to recognize is when we put the helmet of salvation on, and if you want to do this, when you cover your mind with that process of sanctification, you have your part to play to hold every thought contrary to God's word captive and say, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to allow that to bear fruit. And you can say, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you help me? I'm not saying this is easy, by the way. I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, you know what? This is going to be a walk in the park. Three easy tips, and you're going to be absolutely fine by Monday. I'm not saying this. I mean, you know, we know that the Christian walk is a journey. You know, it's not easy. I'm not saying I, I, I struggle with a lot of this stuff, but I'm just sharing what the Lord is calling us to. And don't beat yourself up if 
you're doing great, and then by Wednesday you start, it's fine. There's no shame or guilt. But listen, if we want to walk in all that God has for us, if we want to protect our mind, and if we want to stand strong, then we need to recognize that we need to hold every thought captive that is contrary to God's word and not allow it to bear fruit. And that means, therefore, that we need to know God's word. That means, therefore, that if we want to be a disciple of Jesus, if we want to learn from Jesus, then we better read his word and understand what his truth is. So there's the first one. That's a daily decision. You know, if you, I've heard loads of people say to me that they put on the helmet, uh, the, 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 um, the full armor of God in the morning. I think that's fantastic. You can pray that through. But it's not just I've prayed that I've got the helmet on, now I'm going to just do whatever I want to do. Putting on the helmet means you have some choices to make. And, I, and I'm sharing these because God wants to equip us to stand strong and to continue to, walk, continue to walk strong in all that he has for us. So that's the first one. Don't allow the lies to take hold. Number two, be wise about what you watch and listen to. Oh, this is going to be an interesting one. Shall I go there? Oh, I've got a yes, thank you. Right. Thank you for the thumbs up, Emma. Philippians 4, 8. Now, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and he wrote them a section, very famous, about do not be anxious about anything, by anything, we heard this, but in everything with thanksgiving and petition, present your request to God, and then what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We all know that verse, right? It's a great verse. It's almost like a, there's this, this kind of magic formula. It doesn't work like that. But in our daily walk with God, as we thank him, as we give him our anxieties, his peace, and we looked at that in the first series, and you can catch up with that, a peace which is not based on circumstances, but not based on the movable ground that we stand on, but move, based on the unmovable word of God. That kind of peace we want, right? But then the problem is we close our Bible and we don't go on to verse 8. Because we don't really want to hear what it says. Because Paul, Paul's like a doctor. He says, okay, I'm going to give you this medicine, which is going to sort it out now. But can I just give you some lifestyle um, uh, suggestions so that you don't get yourself into that pickle in the first place? That's essentially what Paul's saying. And that's therefore what we're going to read. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable... If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, listen to this, think about these things. So all of a sudden, what do we have? A criteria. I love criterias and frameworks. Who loves a framework? We have a frame. Thank you. We have a framework for how we assess what we watch and listen to. So here's the thing. Take this list, write it out, and do a bit of an audit in your life. I've, you know what? I've got to say that I, I, Steph and I, my beautiful wife, is up there in the balcony again with the kids. Um, and we do this. We have to be active in this because you can quite easily slip into watching things, listening to things, reading things that fall outside of this criteria. Can I just say, um, with, 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 with love, if you suffer with fear, like the amount of Christians I've... I've spoken to, they suffer with fear and yet they watch horror movies, as an example. Like, why? Or they suffer with sexual temptation. I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting that 
there are those that are immune to it. We all suffer temptations, but they put themselves in a position where they're watching stuff they shouldn't. I'm being real here, aren't I? You don't mind, do you? I mean, we're talking about life here, aren't we? If we want to put on the helmet of salvation, if you want to protect your mind, then you've got to make a decision on what you watch and listen to. You know, it says in the scriptures that narrow is the way. That's what it means to be holy. If you say, oh, yeah, I want to be holy. But if you want to be set apart, then we need to recognize that we shouldn't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we need to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us, and we have our part to play in that. So there's your criteria. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence. Now, I suspect you might have to rethink, as I have done and as we continue to do, what you watch and listen to and read. If you want to stand strong, if you want to walk in all that God has for you, if you want to allow the Holy Spirit to transform your heart, then you've got to make some decisions. Okay, number three, as we bring this to land. Spend time with Jesus. (laughs) Spend time with Jesus. And as I share this, I'd like to invite the band up. If you want to put your helmet of salvation on daily, spend time with Jesus. You know, Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Or it says in Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Listen, we need to spend time with the lover of our souls, Jesus. We need to be with him and to to fix our eyes and our mind on Jesus because as we do, his spirit changes us from the inside out. Are you with me? Let us not get so busy being conformed that we do not stop and let ourselves be transformed by the Spirit of God. If when I started this talk, you said, yeah, I can't wait to put the helmet of salvation on, I want to share this by saying, I know it can sound difficult, but here is the beautiful thing about God. His grace empowers us. And so when we say, Lord Jesus, and I'd like to all stand now as the band start playing, I want to give you in the room and you at home an opportunity to respond to this word. And I want to just give us some time to allow the Holy Spirit to pour out more grace upon us. What is grace? Grace doesn't cover up bad living. It empowers right living. Grace is his empowerment, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. Holy Spirit, would you come now? Now listen, if you want to respond to this word and you say, Lord, I want to put on this helmet of salvation, I'm going to ask you just to put your hand on your heart as a symbolic act to the Lord. And if you're at home, why don't you do the same thing? And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would just come now and just strengthen you. Listen, don't worry about people around you. You know, just this is is business between you and God right now. You have a choice. Do you want to work out your salvation? Do you want to push into the amazing stuff that God has for you? Do you want to walk in the freedom that God has for you? Do you want to walk in the blessings that he has for you?
Lord, I want to pray now for everyone here in this room and at home who has responded to this word and said, Lord, would you help me live that life of making those daily choices to put on the helmet of salvation? Lord, forgive me where I haven't responded even when your spirit has prompted me, Lord. Lord, help me to hold every thought captive that is contrary to your word. Help me, Lord, because it's not easy. Pour out your grace, Lord, please. Lord, would you help me just to dwell on things that are good, that are true, that are noble, that are excellent, those things that bring life, those, not those things that bring death. Lord, it's not easy. I feel the pressure to conform. Lord God, would you come and transform? And Lord, would you help me to spend time with you, Jesus? My life is busy. My life is chaotic. I find it difficult to concentrate. But Lord, I know that I need to spend time in your presence to sit under, if you like, under an olive tree and bask and just take rest from the heat of the, the noonday sun. And Lord, I pray for everyone that's responding to that. You will just breathe on them now, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Whether you're here or at home, pour out your spirit, Lord God, I pray. I pray that we would see fruit from this word that has gone out of lives transformed in order that we can be your hands and feet. Thank you, Lord. And let me say as well as I end before we worship, you know, if you've heard this message and you have yet to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and there is something stirring in you, your heart is beating fast and you're saying, I need to be saved. I want to walk in the freedom. I want to walk in restored relationship with the Heavenly Father. Then today is the day of salvation. Don't miss this opportunity. If that's you, how do you respond? You say, Lord, just admit I'm a sinner. We're all sinners, have been sinners, and we're now saved. And say, I need you, Jesus. I acknowledge that you died on the cross for me, that you paid the penalty of sin for me. And I confess and profess that you are my Lord and my Savior. Amen. And if you just prayed that, you can put your hand up virtually on the church online platform. You've just started the most amazing journey. That's not the end point for you. That is the starting point for you. Lord, I just pray you would come as we worship you. I pray in your precious name. Amen.